0: Morning. Um, fair warning: First service was incredible, and um, part of what makes first service so or first service so incredible today was just their interaction, their level of engagement. And I just want to encourage you to get. It's all right to be rowdy in church. It's okay to um, be a little bit loud. It's okay to say amen. It's okay to punch your husband say, are you listening to this? It's, that's not okay. It's not okay. But you will get um, out of the sermon whatever you are willing to contribute to the sermon, by the way. Um, I did spend some time in preparation this week, which is great, but that's only half the equation of a sermon. I'm only delivering one part. You and your reception of it is the other part of what God has planned for this week So I just want to really encourage you, like, get excited in today's sermon. Find something to get excited about. Can you do that? All right. We are on part two of Get in the Game last week. um, How about them Patriots? Somebody holla? I called it. I called it. Um, Someone's still in denial. They're like, nope. Um, The game was boring, though, but still, Patriots won. Uh, So I do apologize for any of you that were hoping for the other team. Um, Clearly, you were not on the Lord's side. So, just kidding. I I really love the Exchange Church because I'm seeing more and more. And if you're new here today, by the way, I hope that you come to Uh, realize that the Exchange Church is a place where purpose is awakened and developed. And I love that about this place. You you don't find that everywhere, right? You you don't find that in Walmart. You don't find that in Target. You don't find that at H-E-B. Like, I I don't know why it came out like that. Anyway, I've never called it H-E-B. Anyway. But at the Exchange Church, you find people that want to come alongside you shoulder to shoulder and develop and awaken all that God has for you. Like I'm finding I've, so many of you come alongside me and say, hey, let's get in the game, tray. This is what the Lord is doing. I can't even tell you the number of times Greg, who works for me in the context of this organization, but he's my brother-in-law in the context of family, he'll call me and he, he said, hey, what are you dreaming about? And it doesn't matter if it's about the church or about my personal life or goals outside, he always wants to come alongside me. And that's what we find here at the Exchange Church. We find people that are not just interested in getting you to serve within the four walls of this church, this church, which that's good, and we need you, and we want that. But we also find people that want to come alongside us and do life together, like help you be the best parent that you can be, help you to be the best student that you can be, help you to be the best in whatever it is that God has called you to be. Like you don't have to stand behind a pulpit and hold a microphone to preach the gospel. You you can do that when you're drawing blood for people. You can do that when you're checking people out at HEB. You can do that wherever you work. And we want to come alongside you and be the champion that you so desperately need. And you know how I know that you need a champion? Because I need one too. The Exchange Church is a place where purpose is awakened and developed. Today I'm going to talk to you about serving. It's going to be a fun day, I think. But first, let's just uh, ask the Lord to join us. Hey, God, you've done so much in this service already. And, And we could go home, call it a day, and we would have had church. But God, we ask for more from you. We ask your Holy Spirit to work among us. And even... As it happened in first service, where so many people were set free from anxiety and depression on the spot. God, I ask that you do it again in this service. God, that you would just flood this room with healing. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so I want you to shake it out get a little bit excited, meet somebody new. There are a lot of new guests here today, so be friendly, introduce yourself, high-five somebody, hug somebody, then you may be seated. Life can be messy. I mean, messy with a capital M, capital E, capital S, capital S, capital Y. Messy. You know what I'm talking about, right? Those moments that just blindside you where, where you think you've got it all under control. You think life is going grand. Everything is just working in your favor. Then you get that pink slip. Th- then you get that phone call. Then you get that diagnosis. Then you find out that news that you would have never expected in a million years from that person. Life <sighs> Messy for me too. Really messy for me. Like, there are certain things in my life where I'm like, "Hey God, I think we've been working on this long enough. Can we like move on from here?" It's messy and it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good at all. Like, I I want to quote the John ten ten verse over my life, the abundant life, and I, I want to be all excited about what God is doing. But sometimes, man. Life is messy. But I guess that's the beauty of life. I guess those are the moments in my world where I actually get to prove myself to my Creator. It's easy. It's easy to walk around and say that I trust God when my pantry is full of food. Isn't it? Oh, man. How are you doing, Trey? Blessed and highly favored. God's good, amen, hallelujah. Then I go home at some point and I realize I've only got like 14 month old dry beans in the pantry. God, are you still faithful? I knew you were good back there, but in case you hadn't checked in in a while, I'm hungry, in case you hadn't checked in in a while i'm I'm lonely, I'm insecure. I, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. I, I should have fought this battle a long time. I should be over this by now. Hey God, life is messy. are you are you here? I think you've been there too. Maybe not today, hopefully not today, but even if today is great, this too shall pass. The reality is, it's in those moments where we can't see God, we can't hear God, we can't feel God, that we now need to trust God. We need to trust that he's going to show up and be and do who we knew him to be over here. God didn't change just because my circumstances did. God didn't distance himself from me just because I made really stupid decisions. God didn't turn his face and run away because he thought, man, that tray, he's a little too messy. Life is messy. Those are the beautiful moments of life. These are the moments where we really get to dig our heels in and we get to flourish in our relationship with Jesus Christ. And we get to see just how much he loves us. Loves us so much, like like little kids. I found out um, when I had my two babies, Micah and Michaela. Micah, you know, he was he was born to Carrie and I. Michaela was born to Carrie and I, and then we have three adopted children that were not born to Carrie and I. So I didn't, I wasn't a part of their world in infancy. Only I have the context of Micah and Michaela for that reference point of reference. But I got Tristan when he was four, four. Talked a lot, so much. I thought he was just a phase. It's not a phase. (laughs) He's now 13, talks more than any person I know, any person. He just talks nonstop, and it's great. It's great. That's what earbuds are for. Just tune it, tune it out. I listened to Tristan talk, actually, the other day. We had this recording, and it had our family back in 2010. Back in 2010, it was two hours recording of our family, and we didn't know it was recording. I think it was Jordan recording, because Jordan, we had just adopted them, and and Jordan started out the recording by saying, I'm going to be rich, I'm going to be rich, my daddy's rich. He did not know, he did not know, poor kid, reality eventually set in. I'm going to be rich, I'm going to be rich, and then it set down somewhere, and then, Life happens in my home. I got to hear myself walk in eight years ago to the room with my kids and say, what are y'all doing? Oh, daddy, we're just, Tristan, bless his heart, he sounded like a two-year-old baby. He was four, but he sounded like two. Oh, I just playing, dad, just have fun. What are you doing, dad? What's the plan for today? It was going nonstop. Dad walks out. Then I hear Micah. Micah walk in. Micah is my 23-year-old, lives in Australia. He's now married, and he's on the recording, and he walks in the door. I kid you not, I was like, who is she? His voice is so high, and he was country as country. He was hick. I didn't even know it. I didn't even realize. You ever listen to yourself and you think, who is that? Micah's on the recording, and he walks in, and he goes, oh, my God, I almost had a rack." I almost had it right. That car almost hit me. Oh my God! I'm not even exaggerating. That's. Oh my God! That's what exactly what he did. I want to record it and send it to his new wife. I do. And he, I'm like, so who is she? And they're like, Dad, that's Micah. And I said, Okay, so they're telling me who's who because. Now I can't remember what they sounded like, because they sound a lot different now. But back then, and even sometimes today, life was messy in the Rose home. And it's pretty interesting listening to this recording, because I heard Michaela at the age of 11 trying to, apparently there was some, we were about to have a birthday party. And when you have five kids, your house gets messy within five minutes. And everyone was trying to work together to clean so that we could greet the guests at the door as if we actually always lived in a clean house. And Michaela's over there saying, okay, you do this. All right, you do this. All right, you do this. Oh, good good job, guys. And she's being their little cheerleader and champion. And looking back, it just sounds so cute. But I've lived it, y'all. I know what it feels like when you're trying to rally the troops and get your house clean when you don't have enough time to get it done. Life is messy. And we try to pick up the pieces as quick as we can so that we display something beautiful as if it's been that way all along. But let me tell you, I've seen behind the scenes. Life is messy. It may look to you like, I've got it all together and I'm the greatest dad and I'm the greatest preacher and I'm the best looking leader. But let me tell you, I know the behind the scenes, Dre, and life can get messy. Thank God for his mercy and his grace and the times when he's just so patient with us and he allows us the opportunity to step into the mess and not be so ashamed of it to say, hey God, why don't you just join me? And he says, I've been here with you all along. Life is messy. And those are the moments where we really get to know him. And you know what I'm talking about. When your kid is sick, when your kid slams their finger in the door and they scream crying, or Tristan was four years old. And for the first time I saw him cry and I thought, oh my God, what's wrong with him? It just... I just cried I didn't see him cry like that and he had dimples in really weird places. And I'm like, and is this really gonna be my son? Remember that? Yeah, it's true. Now he, he cries beautifully. <laughs> Kids are messy, but it's in those moments of tears where the hearts come close. It's in those moments of pain where you get to comfort your baby where those hearts come close. It's in the the moments of the mess where there's this unexplainable opportunity to draw near to one another. You can look at the history of the United States of America, and any time there's been a terrorist attack, we lay political agendas to the side, we lay lay race to the side, we lay everything to the side, and we become one nation, right? Anyone remember 9-11? remember seeing how new york came together as one people that's what happens when we have these opportunities of messiness and kids kids give us a lot of opportunity to climb in the mess with them you how many of you have ever seen little babies before you've seen them talk to them as a toddler yeah let me let me just share a few things that's really messy about them kids chat just you know i know you're a single dude but you probably have Soon, very soon. Bless him, Lord. Bless him, God. Just bless him. Chad is single. If anyone's watching on live stream, at this stage in life, we're not picky. Just if you So, Chad, you probably have seen that kids, when they're born selfish. You ever notice that? They get hungry, they cry. Dumb. Selfish. Get a little poop on them, they cry. Selfish. 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 One of the first words that they learn, mine. Right? How many of you, how many of you have ever argued with your toddler? You say, kid, I bought you those french fries. Mine. Okay, can I have some Skittles? Mm, mine. Right? The mine syndrome. Kids are also, let me just throw this out there, Chad, just so you know for future reference. Kids are rebellious. They're a rebellious little rascals. You remember the, nope, nope. Right? I'll tell you, some kids, really, really rebellious. Um, my brother-in-law, Greg, has some kids. <laughs> Beautiful little things. But, but Brooklyn's eight years old. I cannot get her to make eye contact with me for the first six years of her life. <laughs> and twins, forget about it. Unless I have gum and I say, hey, can I have a hug? No. Now, one of them, I won't mention who, but red hair, they, I think she actually likes me, because she like, plays a little teasing game. Now, she's not six. She's younger than six, so I'm making some progress with these kids, right? I'm praying that they have more kids that will actually like me from birth on. Triplets this time, so I have more opportunity. Father, we just, we bless Chad, and we bless the Wheelers. Just an abundance of overflow, Lord. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Next week we come to church. And we're like, where is everybody? They <laughs> <laughs> say no, because they're rebellious, right? Oh, but he- here's the other one. Here's the other one. The kids do. It's messy, man. It's annoying. Annoying. You ever heard a kid say, "Why eat your food? Why? Because it's good for you. Why?" Because I made it. Why? Because it's dinner time. Why? Because I said so. How many of you have ever resorted to? Because I said so. Man, I've said that so many times to my kids. I've said, you don't need to ask why, Tristan, because I said so. And I think somehow I've created this mentality in myself at least Asking why is wrong. Asking why is not appropriate. But I found out a lot that God can handle my why. You know, we we say, well, you know, we don't need to understand why God is mysterious. He works in mysterious ways. We don't need to know why. Just surrender your life and your will to him and just go with it. But... You know, sometimes I just need to know why. I just need to know why, God. Why, why did I lose that relationship? Why did I lose that friend? Why did I lose that career? Why did I lose my health? I, I just got to know why. And I've been too afraid to ask God why. And I think that's a problem. I think I push him away in my mess and I'm afraid to ask why because somehow it's going to offend him because clearly he knows what's best for me. I get that, so I don't deserve a why, but God wants to tell me a why. A why has never pushed God away. He wants to draw close to our whys. We see all throughout Scripture that God is answering whys, the questions of why. God says, so that blank. But God, why Why do I need to pray, so that blank? Why do I need to read the word, so that blank? Why do I need to serve, so that blank? I decided to give you a few so that's today. Why did God give? God gave, so that, is found in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes, so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life, that's why God gave, so that you and I could live. Why does God speak? God speaks so that is found in Second Timothy chapter three, verses sixteen through seventeen. All scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So that the servant of God, that's you and me, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Why did God bother to write this thing? So that you and I could actually dig into it and be equipped for every good work. You you understand that means every good work. Some of us feel like we're not qualified for some, some things. Some, some of us feel like, oh, we can't participate in this because of this uh, thing in my past or this decision that I made or my skill set, whatever. God has written this word for you and I to pour over so it can bring life to us so that we will be equipped for every good work. So that you will be equipped to be a wonderful wife. So that you will be equipped to be a generous husband, so that you will be equipped to be an obedient child, so that you will be equipped to be a grateful employee. So why did God speak? So that we can be equipped. But why do we pray? I'm glad you asked. We pray so that is found in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Let us then approach God's throne with grace of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Why do trials come? This is a fun one. We ask that question a lot, don't we? Consider it pure joy, found in James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature or mature and complete, not lacking anything. Let your faith be tested. You ever been through a testing before? Whoo! You ever just like looked at a situation or a person and you thought, oh, you just got on my last nerve, right? Parents, anybody, come on. Can I get an amen or is it just me? Oh, they just got on my last, that boss just got on my last nerve. That employee just got on my last nerve. The paper person that didn't throw it on my doorstep gets on my last nerve. You know what I'm saying? You ever tell your kids, oh, you just, you're wearing on my nerves. Have they ever said, I'm just letting God use me? (laughs) My kids, you're not allowed to say that. But it's scripture. And maybe we won't get so offended at the challenges and the things that we see come our way and take it so personal. Maybe we might just see things that come against us as opportunities for growth. Maybe instead of looking at the other people and say, you are getting on my last nerve. Maybe we walk off to the bathroom at work and we look in the mirror. Trey, what is God trying to teach you? It's time to grow up. Whatever it is, there is some immaturity in my life that the Lord has allowed this to happen to me that he's trying to work out what what is this pressing that I'm in because I need that oil to flow cuz I don't want to go around this mountain again when we face trials it is so that you and I can grow up in Matthew chapter 5 verse 16 we see another so that What about how we live? We live so that, in Matthew 5, 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We we live a life that is pleasing to the Lord so that he may be glorified. It's really not so that you can be convenienced. It's so that he can be glorified. Why do we serve? We serve so that is found in Proverbs 18:16. A gift opens the way and ushers the giver into the presence of the great. We serve so that we can be ushered into the presence of greatness in our world. I have 3 serving points that I want to share. I opened my, well, I didn't open it. Somewhere in the middle of my intro, I talked about why, asking why. Maybe this is some business help for you. Maybe in your job, maybe in your church, maybe in your family. But I want to encourage you to embrace the why. Like we need to understand the why. Why is it that we do what we do? Why is it that, that you do the tasks at your job that you do? Why, why is it that you wake up every morning and you make your family breakfast or you make yourself breakfast and you set out for your day? Why? Why is it that you actually roll out of bed rather than sleep the day away? Why? Embrace the why. But let's be careful not to put so much pressure externally on everyone else to provide the why for us. Let's not become codependent on someone else's why. Listen to me. It would be really easy for us to say, oh, the pastor hasn't told me why. Oh, my dad hasn't told me why. My mom hasn't told me why. The teacher hasn't told me why. The doctor hasn't told me why. It would be really easy to blame everyone else. But what I hope you walk away with today is that it is actually possible for you to create your own why. You can create your own why. Find out why you're doing what you're doing. What is the healthy motivation behind that? I, this week, took a guy to lunch. I'm trying to build a relationship with. He's not not said yes to Jesus. Um, He believes in God. It's a start. He doesn't go to church anywhere. Uh, But I took him to lunch and we were talking and I'm just trying to be his buddy right now and just trying to be faithful and steward that well. And he's talking about his four-year-old daughter that he doesn't get to see very much. And he said, um, he said, Trey, I don't know why God chose me to be her dad. I'm not a good dad. I'm not like my father was for me. And um, I said, man, are you kidding me right now? you are the exact dad that God wanted for your little girl. You don't need to be your father to her. She's already got a grandpa. You need to be dad and be the best dad that you can be. And he said, I know, but I'm just doing so many things wrong. I'm making so many mistakes and I don't, I'm not interacting well. And I went on to, to list all of these things. And I said, listen to me, God doesn't have any grandkids. Your daughter is not God's granddaughter. Your daughter is God's daughter too. And don't you think that he loves her enough to place everything inside of you as her dad that you will need to be the best dad that you can be for her? Why? Not because you're so awesome, but because he loves her like his own daughter. So whatever you need is already inside of you. You may not be stewarding it well, You may have it covered up with dust. You may be making some poor decisions, but don't ever wish to be somebody else because somebody else doesn't exist. We can't say this role that I'm stepping in is for someone else because you're the one it's for. For your spouse, you're the one that God intended and plans to use to bring out greatness in the relationship. For your kids, you're the one. I know sometimes it feels like we're incapable and we're not being great parents. I've been there. Go there often. But I'm the one. God has called no one else to the table to be the father of Tristan, Jordan, Addison, Micah, and Michaela than me. And I may not be great, but I'm the greatest they got. And there's more greatness inside of me. Create your own, create your own why. Because here's, here's what you need to understand that when the why is seen, like when you see the why, the what becomes simple. When the why is seen, the what becomes simple. Now don't get confused because simple doesn't mean easy. There's a difference. Simple means I know, I know intuitively what the next what is simply because I know the Why? right? If I know why I'm married and why I'm faithful and why I need to have integrity, suddenly it's not that hard to not pick up the phone and call some other girl, right? If it's hard for me to stay faithful, I certainly don't understand a lot of whys in my life. If it's hard for me to come to church on a Sunday, there are some whys that I don't understand. If it's hard for me to write a tithe check of 10% off the top of my income, it's hard for me. There are some whys that I need to process. Because once you understand the why, obedience is simple. It's simple, not easy. But it's very clear and it's very simple. I um this This week, I guess, the kids weren't at home. I don't know where they were. Tristan likes to do something with, with Carrie. They, they do some cooking stuff in the kitchen. Like he, he loves it. It's weird, weird. He loves it. And he wasn't home, and she was doing, cooking some of that stuff up, and I saw she was juggling two things. Um, and that brings me to my third point today. It's see a need, fill a need. See a need, fill a need. I saw Carrie in the kitchen without Tristan, who normally would be helping her. I saw a need. Now I have to fill the need. So I'm sitting on the couch and I said, hey, Carrie, do you need some help? And I didn't really want to. I'm being honest, didn't want to. There are going to be some things that I choose to do and that I do because I'm serving people. Not because it's fun, but because I see a need and I feel a need. So I said, hey, Carrie, you need some help with that? And she paused for a moment and I'm getting my hopes up. And she said, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, dang it. <laughs> Wait till they're almost done. Right. She was almost done, but it was the hardest part, I guess. And, you know, I just, um, she needed me. So, I get off the couch and I go in and I, I spill it all over the place and, uh, it's okay. She cleaned, cleaned it up, fixed it and all that. And, um, I mean, I don't know that I was much help. I was present, but not giving presents. I was making more work for her. But I saw a need and I, and I filled the need. That, that's the beauty of a gift making room for you. Like sometimes we look at, okay, what's the most extravagant thing that I can do and how can I contribute in the hugest way so that I really make an impact. Can I just tell you some of the greatest impacts in this world that you will ever make will never be seen by anyone else. the only reason you even know that I took someone to lunch this week is because I needed to use it as an illustration for this sermon but there are many opportunities that I'm reaching people loving people connecting with people that you will never know about and I kind of feel that those are the moments in heaven that's going to be celebrated the most because I didn't get the luxury of using it as an illustration I got the luxury of carrying a towel offering a ride bringing in lunch remember last week just serving others seeing a need and feeling a need nine years ago and I'll end with this nine years ago we um, we were really comfortable in a ministry position in college station God's country and um, Texas Tech who's that anyway uh, love you man. Hey, you did really good on offering, Dr. Ginn. So good. It's really good. Um, I, I love, I, I asked him if he would he would participate in offering because there's such a grace on his life for kingdom stewardship. And, I mean, his education is in economics, of course, but just the heart and the passion for kingdom stewardship. So I, I said, man, take platform and, and just let that implode into us. And so... I'm looking for great reports on that. Um, Alas, where was I? Texas Tech. Let me get back to Jesus. Um, A&M. Yeah, there we go. Back on track. We were at a church in College Station. We were youth pastors, children's pastors, associate pastors over ages 0 to 29 of a fairly large church. Uh, If Pastor Danny was gone, I was in the on-platform preaching. He trusted me with a lot and great opportunity there. We knew that we were going to be starting a church called the Exchange Church and about a year before we left, we already, not six months before we left, we met these uh, kids. The names were Omarion, Jamario, and Sharnik. And uh, they, were, they were pretty good kids. I thought and they were in the foster care system with Carrie's mom. And so we were driving home from Thanksgiving out in Bastrop and driving back to College Station. And Michaela is 11 years old at this this time and she's sitting in the back seat and she said, "Mom, and dad, they're going to be my siblings whether you guys have realized it yet or not." <laughs> <And> I'm like, <laughs> "Little girl." I'm like, "You're 11." Get a job. You have no idea what this entails. And uh, she was like, I'm just saying, I already know they're going to be my siblings. And so I look at Carrie. Now, Carrie is is the savior type personality. Like she'll find a litter of puppies or cats on the side of the road and bring them all home and nurse them back. She will find, I mean, I'm serious. It's awful. She will find a two-headed snake and bring it home and take care of it, nurse it back to health and send it off. Um, she will do everything for both animals and people. When she was living at home with her mom, she would bring random people off the street into the home. Gail was a nurse working at a nursing home. She would come home from work and just find random people sleeping on the floor of her living room that Carrie had brought home. Like Carrie rescues. She's a rescuer. Always has been. Me, not so much. I, don't, I love people, but I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to bring people that I don't know into my home. I'm not definitely not going to bring kittens into my home. That's just not of God. I've, I'm done with animals, done with animals. If I wanted more animals, I would have been Noah, born at a different time. I don't want any more animals. We're driving home, though, and I look at Carrie, and I said, hey, well, let's pray about it. Because I'm feeling good, man. I'm like, I'm a great dad. I know how to I know how to be a dad. I know how to be a father to kids. Look at my kids. They're like model, model kids. I could write a book on parenting. I'm awesome. Let's pray about it. Let's do it. And then I remember I had just sent an email out about a week before to my team. And I was kind of annoyed with them. It was a nice professional email, but I was kind of annoyed with them. Because I had asked them if they would mind cleaning the bathrooms that were not part of children's ministry. It was across the hall. But we're closer, so let's clean it. At the end of service, let's just clean it, take care of it, so the facilities team doesn't have to. Man, we're one team. Let's do it. And I got kicked back, and people started saying, oh, we need to pray about that. And I said, you what? And so I sent an email to my team of about 150, 200 people. And I said, if you see a need, and it's in your capacity to meet the need, The answer is always yes. You don't need to pray about it. And I remembered that conversation with my team when I just looked at my wife and said, we'll pray about adopting three kids. And God said, hey, 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 remember what you just told your team? And I thought, oh, man. So I look at Carrie and I said, you know what? We don't need to pray about it. It's a need, it's in our capacity to meet the need. The answer is yes. God already tells us to take care of the orphans and the widows. We don't have to pray about it. Now I wish I'd prayed a little bit longer about it. <laughs> God would have said yes anyway, Tristan. And I would say yes. I love it. It's been a, it's been it's been real, <laughs> real fun and exciting and awful all at once. <sighs> I've chosen not to write a parenting book, just so you know. So Omarion, Jamario, and Sharnik, six months later, changed their name. They, they chose their own name. They wanted to change their name. I personally liked their original names, but they wanted new names, and they became Tristan, Jordan, And Addison Rose, not because we were rich, not because we had so much time on our hands, not because we thought we were just the right fit, the best fit for these kids, but we saw a need, and it was within our capacity to meet the need, and we just knew the answer was yes. What is your why? Like, do we even know? Have we forgotten the whys of why we do what we do? If I wasn't the preacher every Sunday, you know where I'd be? In the parking lot. I think that's the funnest place. One of, one of I don't want to compare, but it's one of the most fun places to serve, in my opinion. I love it. You never know what you can get. Hot weather, rain, snow. Well, not snow, sleet, whatever. It's fun I mean, our parkers, what, two years ago, even saw a man streaking down the road, butt naked. How fun is that? What'd you do at church? Saw a naked man. Like, how unpredictable and fun is that? But the reality is, like, why do we have parking hosts right now? It's not because our attendance is so high that we're creating traffic jams. We have parking hosts because I'm, I'm actually praying into the fact that one of these days, somebody's going to be sitting at Whataburger that's at the end of their rope, and they're ready to take their own life, and they see crazy, fun people dancing out in the parking lot, having fun, wearing Mickey gloves, wearing bright vests, and they say, that looks like life going on. What's going on? I need some of that. That's why we're out there. Why do we have someone open the door when people come to church? Not because the people that visit here are so weak that they can't open the door themselves. I'll tell you why. I I would open a door for people. As I'm standing at that door and I get the opportunity on some occasions to be a greeter, you know what I'm thinking? I'm sewing into my family. I'm opening the door for somebody to walk through into the house of God to have an encounter with Jesus Christ. And I have some loved ones that don't know Jesus. And I have some loved ones that I desperately want to find themselves at a church, not even this church, but just a church. And I want there to be someone holding a door open for them so that when my loved one walks up to that church, they feel like they were prepared for it. They feel like we've been waiting on them. They feel like they're finally home. That's my why when I'm at the door. Why do I clean toilets? I've cleaned toilets here. You men are nasty. I'm just going to say right now, we are nasty creatures. Oh, Jesus. We do have other people to clean toilets, but I have done it. But why? Not just because they're dirty. But the reality is someone could walk in, maybe someone that works in home health, And they see nasty stuff all the time. And every time that they see a dirty toilet, it reminds them of the people that they're losing and the people that aren't able to clean their own toilets and their own homes. And they walk into our bathroom about to encounter Jesus. And that dirty toilet reminds them of the pain and the tragedy that they just carried last week. I want to remove those barriers for people. Why do, I, why do I care about chipped paint facilities, team? I care about chipped paint because if I get a painter that knows what he's doing and walks through these doors and he sees chipped paint all up and down this hallway, this is why we pour money into our facilities, why we need to pour money, more money into our facilities, because it matters. This is the why. That painter needs to know Jesus. I don't want them distracted walking through this building and looking at all the nicks and the dings that we have all over the walls that we aren't taken care of, and it takes them back to the workload that they've carried all week. I need to smooth the wheels, grease the wheels. I need to pave the way for people to come into this place and encounter Jesus. Why do, why do we have people in preschool, the land of the wise, ages two to five, these volunteers back there hear the question, why, why, why a thousand times a day? Why, why is it important that we have people in E-Kids? Why is it important that they're back there? It's not just to teach a lesson, can I tell you. That's important. And your kids will have a lesson and they will learn back in E-Kids. But you know what I want our volunteers and our servant leaders doing back there? When they're praying and they're in the classroom with your two and three and four-year-old, did you know that they're praying over your marriage? They are. They, They pray over little Johnny and then they pray for little Johnny's moms and dads, caretakers, grandparents. Did you know that they're praying over your finances? Whys are so important. So Father, we come before you today. God, I thank you for the, the ultimate why, the fact that you gave your son Jesus Christ to die on a cross for our sins so that we could forever be in relationship with you. God, I ask that over the next seven days, every morning that we would just pray some simple prayer like, Lord, today, let me be of service to someone somewhere, somehow. It may not be grandiose. It may not be the greatest thing that I had intentioned for that day, but God, let me find opportunities to serve others so that you can be seen in all that I do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 God bless you guys. We love you.